Welcome to another Macquarie Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. I was thinking about Jesus' eyes when we were singing that song. It's great when he looks at you. It's even better when we look at him. And my sense this morning is something I haven't experienced before, but I was just imagining looking into the face of God. And what I saw this morning was... He was kind of looking out, not at me, but he's like his face was set on the task of building his church and what he's doing on the earth. But I, I like that. I like in my heavenly father, sometimes he looks at me, sometimes I look at him, but other times, you know, he's set and focused, like Jesus would have been going to the cross, just set and focused. And there was a moment, remember, when he was on the cross where he looked down at people and he said, son, this is thy mother and, and, and with a thief and things like that. So there are those moments where he looks directly at us. But I like that my Heavenly Father is, is looking at the task. Thank you for the thank you service. I'm thanking you for thanking me and you can thank me for thanking you. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Jill, you know the card you, you wrote on, so thank you for the card. And Jill put it together in a special way that I could keep. So that's really lovely. Thank you so much for that. Um, what else did I have to tell you? Uh, Roz was the guest speaker at the Lord Mayor's dinner during the week and, and did really well with, with significant people from all over Lake Macquarie. Well done. And Ivan Shannon and um, Jack were so good yesterday, weren't they? 15 years in Vanuatu and 10 tough years. But after the 10 tough years, some of the fruit of their lives was just absolutely astonishing, things you couldn't even hope for just happened and it was interesting because uh, they did the, the church they planted for a while but then they handed that over because one of the things he discovered on his life was was really is, is an entrepreneur and he established a building thing and, and when that cyclone Pam came and wiped out the entire island he was kind of one of the guys responsible for rebuilding that whole capital city and rebuilding the walls so trade could take place and training hundreds of young um, Ni Vanuatu guys you know so they could have a trade and just his impact on the island and uh, they had this ceremony about six months ago where they were both adopted into Vanuatu families but the family that Julie was adopted into was a guy named Walter Lini who was the first prime minister of Vanuatu still alive and is con- kind of considered the father of the nation so she was adopted into this really really high high place so it's just a stunning story. We'll, we'll get him up to, to share more in church. But I was blown away, Ivan, eh? The testimony was just, was just stunning. So if you're in the middle of your 10 tough years, hang in there because some things come quickly and some things don't. And often the best things take, take longer. And I agree with Ivan. It's so good having the NRL back. <laughs> you're all right. Um, I'm going to preach out of John probably this year. We're just getting into John's gospel but I'm not going to do it chapter by chapter like I did with Matthew. Uh, first series I want to do is called Who Are You, Lord? It's on the seven I Ams that Jesus said in the early chapters of, of John's Gospel. So we'll just do um, part one today, I Am the Bread of Life. Um, if it gets boring as we go along, we'll shorten the series from seven parts to two or three. But anyway, we'll, we'll see how we go. Um, just a, a little bit of an over. John's gospel is a very interesting gospel, but the main thing I wanted to say about it is this. John was the youngest of the disciples, so what he wrote and he, 
about was his experience with Jesus, but he experienced it as the youngest, but he waited nearly 60 years before he wrote it. So it was kind of the youngest experience, but written from a man of maturity, because the others were quite young when they wrote their Gospels. And it's really different to the other three Gospels. You get this really balanced perspective. He mentions more about the Holy Spirit than any of the other Gospels. He brings some balance to the other Gospels. And the word believe occurs over a hundred times. It just seems a really interesting thing. So there's just some little things on John's Gospel. So let me read to you from Scripture so we get the I am the bread of life in context. Um, So Jesus has fed the 5,000. He's walked on the water. And now this crowd has has found him in in Capernaum where he's already done lots of miracles um, and they come looking for him and it's it's very interesting. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, you want to be with me because I fed you. It's like he's going, you guys are just after free food. There's got to be a better reason than that. That's all right if it gets you here, but, you know, why are you here? Look at your heart. And as as we read the word of God, you want to have a teachable attitude as we do it. I've, I've let something from Willie and Sandra, our Aboriginal friends that are pastors, because we, when we were you know, starting the journey with the Indigenous, we wanted to know who the local elders were, and we couldn't find out. But he said, no, no, they're just waiting to see if you're just making a lot of noise about it, or if you're sincere and you really want to sit down and listen. So be patient, relate sincerely, and then the information will eventually come to you. And there's, there's a respect I, I have for that. They're not in a rush, but they want to know that you're sincere and that you listen and before they kind of take you in. And I, I like that. The Word of God's very much like that. So, so let's have that attitude as we head into it. Okay, from verse 26 of John 6. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, you want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you, for God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. They replied, we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? Good question. Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. So I'll I'll come back to that, but that's just such a key statement. They answered, show us a miraculous sign. Because he knows this this is what they're thinking. So so one of the things we pick up here is miraculous signs are great and can lead people to faith. You know, God's designed it that way. But when there's a lot of them, sometimes they make people have less faith and they just go, well, we don't want to be patient for 10 years like Sharon. We just want the next quick fix. And sometimes it can lead to less faith. And Jesus is kind of challenging the whole thing. Um, They answered, show us a miraculous sign. If you want us to believe in you, what can you do? After all, they pull a manna card, and he deals with that in a minute. Our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scriptures say Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, Moses didn't give you bread from heaven, my father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So there's a shift now. This is is a good response. Sir, they said, give us this bread. A little bit like, remember the woman at the well? And she says, give me this water. There's there's this shift, it's beautiful. So now that they're soft, 
and they're listening properly, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But you haven't believed in me, so he confronts them, though you have seen me. However, those the Father has given me will come to me, and I will never reject them. For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. And this is the will of God, that I should not lose even one of all those he has given me, that I should raise them up at the last day. Interesting, when Ellie came to preach here last week, her church has been through a difficult time, and they've lost a number of people, and some of her friends have left. So she was, she's into loyalty and staying, so she's doing that. It's a bit more difficult than normal. And when she came here, Heidi, pardon me, Heidi hugged her, and she knows Heidi's been a long time, and she could feel that long-term faithfulness, and it really affected her, and, and she, she wept. That's why she cried when she got up. But then she, as she walked through, she thought, oh, that one's been here 30 years, that one's been here 20 years, that one's been here 10 years. And it, re- it was a real testimony to her of the strength of the kingdom. Anyway, I just wanted to mention that, and it's like Jesus is looking for that here. <laughs> That's what he's saying. The real ones, we're not going to lose them. I just thought that that was beautiful. Um, okay. You are looking for me and following me for the, for the wrong reason. The miracles have not had the proper effect, so he challenges them on belief and not being more selfish. There's kind of four big statements, he says. First one is, and I'm summing it up. He didn't use these exact words, but it seems to be what he's getting at after reading all the Bible teachers. It's like he's saying this. You want what I can give, but you're not wanting me for who I am. So that's not sin, by the way. It's okay to want him for what he can give, but that's just the first step. What he likes to take us into is wanting him for who he is. Jesus says, believe. They say, give us a sign. He goes, goes, no, this is Capernaum. You've already had that sign or lots of signs. The crowd is still resisting. They pull the Moses card, the good old days. They exalt Moses over Christ. A little bit dangerous ground they're on. Um, Later on, Later on, not in this section I'm preaching on, but he challenges them about stop grumbling. And I've been reading Job again lately, and it just says this really interesting thing about Job, because all this stuff goes wrong, and I thought of Shannon's 10 tough years. Job did not sin by accusing God of wrongdoing when he was going through a tough time. And it's just a brilliant, brilliant statement. I I love it. Um, There's a guy named Paul Brand who's worked with lepers his whole life, and he says this amazing thing. He says, those who bear their pain will know more happiness than those who avoid their pain. And he goes on to talk about how happy some of the lepers are. Exiled on an island, no reason to be happy, but but they've taken on their pain and he's helped them do that. I thought, wow, it's so profound. Um, Okay. Yeah, all right. Second big statement. Uh, This bread is not just some life, but it's the life. And there's a real crunch time after the section I read from verse 41, this real confrontation where they have to tip one way or the other. Um, 
I, I, I summed it up like this. It's like Jesus saying this. Right now, your number one need is me. So let's just take you and I. So right now, there'd be a trial or some trials that each of us have. And we're going, I need healing, I need finance, I need a job, uh, I want you to reach my family, can you help my lost kids? And we're lifting that up and say, you know, so this is our journey with you. And Jesus going, stop, there's something more important. Just leave it there, come to me first. Just me and you, relating. Okay, now that we've done that, now let's do that. And listen... (laughs) I'm not doing it to make you feel guilty. I get it wrong all the time. Sometimes I've had my whole prayer time and I get up to head off into the day. Holy Spirit goes, you haven't really even prayed yet. You haven't listened to me. You've just talked the whole time. Oh, sorry, sorry. And I go back and sit there. And sometimes that's happened two or three times in a row where I'm over busy and overwhelmed and you're trying to get everything done and it's like, boom. Um, yesterday we, we did this kind of art class thing, Pinot and painting or something like that. Anyway, uh, they wanted us to paint Newcastle baths, but I had a picture at home, an original of um, Merriweather baths. And so I took a photo of it on my phone. So when we did it, and you were allowed to do this, I'm doing my, my own painting, thinking it would somewhat resemble... <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll bring the pictures next time I preach. This beautiful original painting we bought that we got at home in the stairwell... Let me tell you, it looked nothing like it. Someone saw it and said, you know, the bathers pavilion and all that. They said, is that your chook pen at home? (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, this is what it's like. God's trying to make our life this masterpiece, right? And we go, no, no, I've got it. I've got it covered, God. No, don't take the brush. I I can do it. And, you know, and our life looks nothing like what it should. It just kind of ends up looking like a chook pen. That's if we do it all ourselves. And that's why he goes, just before we deal with all this stuff, come here. Let's just talk. Let's just read the word. That's why I like reading a bit of gospel first, because it's like I take an interest in his life and what happened in his life, and we do that first. Um, (laughs) I just thought it was a good example. I couldn't believe how much my he didn't resemble the one, I know. <laughs> All right, sorry about that. All right. Um, Jesus here is making himself accessible to us continually, personally. His omnipotence, his omnipresence, and his availability. Um, his nourishment comes with his presence. You know, very often before I've done the intercession thing in my prayer time, if I've done that, meet with him first. I don't even get to the intercession because I realise it's all covered. <laughs> um, anyway, and, and interestingly enough, I, I was reading a book on farming by a guy named Joel Slartin from America who's kind of a radical big Bible farmer and he just believes that dominion means that when you work the land, you leave it better off than what it was when you started. You know, and he does all these principles that keep his lands fresh and green and he's one of those guys that just gets it and when there's drought, everyone's struggling and their crops won't grow, but his land is all lush and green and he's rotated his fields and he's given them a rest, like the Bible says, and he looks after his animals well. Anyway, I, I just love reading it. Some of it's too hard for me to do, but he just said on dominion, I thought it was quite interesting. He said, it means to leave things better than, than we found them. 
He says, creation and gardens and animals draw us closer to God more easily than anything else does. He said, dominion isn't pillage, kill, and plunder and think, now we've worked the land and the soil's completely wrecked. We'll just buy more land and do it over there. We'll wreck it up over here. We'll cut down every tree. You know, you know how there's versions of it that, that can do that. And I just thought, great principle of life. There's just a good way of doing things that leaves things fresh and green. Doesn't God talk about us? We're like a people that brings springs to the desert. You know, not the other way around. We go to the spring and turn it into a desert and we move on. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Come is listed first. It's like come and taste and see that the Lord is God. He does all the work so we can come and believe. It's a privilege to be invited. This statement sums up today's whole message. We are all he wants. He is all we need. It's our decision to let the two things meet, coming and believing. In my swimming pool, I have little leaks, and you can buy this putty from the swimming pool place, and it comes in a pack, and there's like an orange one and a green one. I don't, I don't know what they are, but I know if I cut the pack open and mix them together, there's a chemical reaction takes place, and I can use that underneath the water so I don't have to empty the pool, and I can, you know, smooth it over the hole, and it, and it stops the leak. There's this incredible chemical reaction that does this magical thing and it'll dry under the water why that's what happens when you bring come and believe together so so watch this the chemical reaction so i'm too busy yeah i need healing i need that i've got that relate to god chemical reaction i can feel his love i know you need if, if he gives me the scripture that day if he speaks to me i you know know you need even before you ask for me, I then don't ask. Other days I do ask because <laughs> I need it for my own peace. But there's just that chemical reaction in the, in the kingdom that's, that's magic like that. Uh, the highest goal for human lives on earth is, is to walk with him. We can't give that to ourselves. Runa says, to those who seek him, he offers himself immediately. In fact, here's an amazing scripture, and this is the conclusion. He who comes to me, I will in no way cast out. So two more big statements. Um, when we share the gospel with someone else, this was huge for me, uh, studying this during the week. I was just, just like, this was the thing that smacked me in the face that I had the wrong way around. This, this revelation. When we share the gospel with someone, it's giving God a chance more than it's giving the person a chance. In sharing the gospel, I've always been very the other person oriented, not wanting to say the wrong thing, trying to find the right thing, what would win them. And yet what we're doing, because God watches over his word to perform it, when we, when we share the gospel, it can kind of, it gives God a chance to go into action to back you up. It actually... When you share the gospel, that actually activates something in the spiritual realm. Just like worship activates stuff in the spiritual realm. Prayer activates stuff in the spiritual realm. Reading the word of God and believing it activates things. So I, I was just blown away by that. And that took a lot of pressure off sharing with people. Because now that I'm semi-retired, I've got more time. I'm talking to the neighbors and they're all in shock like, we thought you were a bit of in, I was going to say a rude word, you can't when you're preaching. Um, 
type of person, but you're much nicer than what we thought. It was just like, now I've got time and are talking to people more. It takes pressure off trying to win people, it just, just relating well and giving God a chance. The fourth statement was, many people, when they want to come back to God or come to God, they have this fear of, what if I come and he rejects me? Because the first thing the enemy does when you want to come to God is he reminds you of your sin. So you think God's angry with you and you think, oh, I can't go to God because I've done this. That's not the thing. Jesus said now is not the time of judgment. It's the enemy that reminds you of that. You've got to kind of ignore that voice and come anyway. Why? Because it insults him if we don't come. He went to a lot of trouble to die on the cross. So when you want to come, you can come. Um, someone said, even the snail got into the ark. <laughs> it's like, he doesn't, he doesn't reject. He just keep moving towards Christ, move, move towards the ark. He doesn't say, you know, when the Noah thing was happening, he didn't go, look, just stay as you are. Acceptance is the only thing, and I'll make sure you don't drown. It was like, no, come inside where it's warm and safe and you'll be fed and you'll get help, and we'll know the right time to let you back out again. That's, that's how, how the kingdom works. There's a story, and I'll finish with this. Of a, I've got to remember it because I forgot to put it in. Um, old days, the ship's, this ship's been at sea you know, for a few months, and it's run out of water, and it gets blown up a river in a storm. Instead of getting shipwrecked, they end up getting blown up a river, and the storm passes and they see, you know, some of the native peoples going in their canoes out to fish and they're going, get us some water. We're dying of thirst. <laughs> and their answer is, it's a river. It's fresh water. You're completely surrounded by it because they were so used to being at sea and you couldn't drink the salt water because it makes you go crazy. But the kingdom's so like that. He's offering us so much more than what we can think or ask. We're actually surrounded by the water, so it's okay to ask. But it just seems to be good. Meet first and then ask for your stuff. Um, and he's the, he's the bread of life that really cares about you. That'll do. Who am I handing back to? Oh, thanks. Turn. Yes. Let's thank Mark, church. <laughs> Great thanks, to have Mark. you back, Mark. <laughs> And um, I'm a bit excited because that's probably one of my favourite books, <laughs> the New Testament. And um, so, yeah, what a great series that's going to be. And I don't know about you, but there's a few statements that, you know, really resonated for me this morning. And um, one of those statements, this is for all of us, is that uh, you want me for, for what I can give, not for who I am. And... Uh, yeah, it's just one of those things we can easily fall back into, isn't it? When we're living out our, our life and our existence and stuff happens in everyone's life. And it's, um, God, help me here, help me there. But just making sure we all go to him for who he, who he is. Um, and the statement that Mark made, I don't know if everyone here actually is in relationship um, with Jesus this morning. But the statement that he said at the end was, come. 
Um, and Jesus said, he who comes to me, I will in no way cast out. And that's the good news of Christianity. We come to God in our heart when we make that decision and we need him. He will not cast you out. So if you're here this morning and you're on that journey towards Christ, you're maybe not quite there yet, but God's doing something. He's enlivened something in your spirit and you're taking some steps. I just want to encourage you this morning that if you come to him with all your heart, he will not cast you out. And if that's you this morning, I'd I'd love to have the privilege of chatting with you a bit more about about that after the service. And so I invite you to come and introduce yourself to me. But can I just pray for us? Oh, Father, I just thank you for that word. I thank you that you gave us Jesus. He came here to be with us. And he left the Holy Spirit to be with us. And sometimes we forget that. You want us to be with you. And um, so we just adjust that little mindset and we admit that sometimes we do come to you to, for what you can give us more than just for who you are. But this morning we're reminded of how wonderful you are, what, a, what an amazing saviour you are, how you gave everything that you are, the bread of life, and spending time with you is nourishment for our spirit and our soul. So we make that adjustment this morning and we give our hearts fully to you again. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you have enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit mccroylifechurch.com.au.